Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to another episode of the Ahmed Khan podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us today. Um, I feel like I don't even need to give an introduction about him because most of us already know him. But it's none other than brother, and I'm going to butcher the name, Angel. Is that good? Yeah, you said it perfectly, bro. You said it perfectly. Perfect. So he's a, he's a prominent YouTuber. He has over 260,000 subscribers, mashallah. Uh, many of his videos center around self-improvement videos, which have attracted hundreds of thousands of people. Alhamdulillah, earlier this year, our brother accepted Islam after years of searching for the truth. And he is also one of the co-founders of the new and prominent The Three Muslims podcast. Thank you for joining us, my brother. Thank you for having me, bro. Thank you for having me. Alhamdulillah, I'm so excited for today's conversation. But before I really uh, we get into the conversation, I just wanted to give you a quick PR plug about your podcast. And hopefully, you know, I'll give you a couple minutes to just discuss what your podcast is about because I think it's a very important podcast. Um, yeah. So if you can if you can expand upon that, that would be great. Inshallah. So, uh, Bismillah, uh, the podcast is. It was started with the intention of recording conversations that we had. It just started with like us recording conversations that we had with each other, like me, Fayed, and Rami. And um, we wanted to create a conversation where it's like, uh, when you watched it, you felt like you were a part of this conversation. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like you felt like you, you were there, maybe you can't say anything, but you were listening, like you were there like actually listening and um alhamdulillah we've gotten those same remarks like people have said like yo i feel like i'm talking with some close friends or something like that and we wanted to do that because not many people have access to like-minded individuals mm -hmm. you know and yeah it's just kind of evolved ever since we started where we started getting a whole bunch of guests and it's it's beautiful because it ranges from a lot of different topics you know obviously um dawah is very prominent but um yeah we get into a lot of stuff you know like mm -hmm. and we don't shy away from many things like you know i'm, I'm not here to say that uh, this podcast is better than any of them i'm not here to say like oh we we speak about this and other podcasts don't i'm i'm not here for that but i am here for is saying like uh, what we do do, uh, you know, not being immature here, but what we do do mm -hmm. is uh, we just keep it real. We try to keep it as like as transparent as possible. So sometimes we might say something that mm, many people might not agree with, but that's all right because it, that's what it was meant to be. It was meant to be conversations, real conversations that people can actually get some tangible things from some whether it be uh knowledge whether it be wisdom whether it be something that they can start doing in their lives just something bro inshallah yeah and you know the thing that i love about your podcast is that it's it's a red pill it's you guys are not shying away from any topic and um i think all it takes is just to go just search up the three muslims podcast on youtube and see the topics and you'll know how serious they are and one of the things I love about your podcast is when I was creating my own, um, I was looking at the market 
and what types of Muslim podcasts we had out there. And I was like, there's nothing like what I'm trying to do with my own, where I touch on a variety of different topics, especially on, especially controversial topics till I came across yours. And wallahi bro, when I saw yours, I said, someone beat me to it. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Somebody bro, listen, <laughs> listen, it's, it's, it's not saturated. It's not oh, saturated. So I think this is what, I think this is what everyone needs, bro. Definitely. I, we need that real content, the real conversations. And like, I'm sorry to say, but the, the times where things are like heavily uh, restricted or not even, that's the wrong word. I'm trying to find the words here, but filtered. Where, where mm -hmm. things are heavily filtered, those times are starting to pass. You know, people are waking up. Mm -hmm. People are understanding further. And Islam, bro, this is the most beautiful thing. And people who are on Islam should also, you know, they should still be trying to understand further. I, we had this one guest on and he was basically saying like, you, you can only progress or regress. There's no maintenance. Mm. So it's like, you're either moving forward or you're moving, you're moving backwards. Which one are you going to do? So we want like what we're doing, what you're doing, bro. Like what should be done is things that are going to progress people. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, bro. So. And especially because of, you know, you talked about uh, in today's age, everything being filtered, right? You're essentially referring to the cancel culture. And I think in, in today's age, if we don't have these conversations, people are going to have these conversations with the wrong people and they'll end up with the wrong answers. And in today's age, we need to be in the, we need to be winning intellectually. And we've, you know, the way I look at it is imagine uh, one scholar said Islam is, um, Islam has the best case, but the worst lawyers. <laughs> so we need to become better lawyers. Um, and historically, you know, I mean, you know, I, I did my degree in history, you know, you study history, the greatest empires, the greatest thinkers of human history were our ancestors, right? Um, and we should follow in their line. And these conversations are the beginnings of things that we need to be doing. And so you're doing amazing work, mashallah. Um, it's a good PR plug for you guys as well. Um, but, uh, good job. Uh, so I want to transition into your conversion story. And so I recommend everybody to watch your video. Your YouTube channel is the same name, uh, 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 uh as your name, correct? Yeah. So it, it's Angel, but with a A in front. So like A Angel. Okay. You literally say A Angel. Okay. I'll, I'll link it. I'll link it in the bio so people know. Inshallah. Your, uh, inshallah, your journey, subhanAllah, was, um, was quite extraordinary, quite amazing when I was listening to it. Um, and one of the things I wanted to ask you is you said that there was a period in your life where you were atheist for three years. And during those three years, you felt very miserable. You felt that things were very dark. I was wondering if you could go deep into, if it's fine with you to go deep into that of what was going on in your mind at that time? Yeah, so during that time, I, I kind of viewed life as like, uh, we're here just randomly. You know, we, we came from nothing and we leave into nothing. And that our existence doesn't, it's not worth anything. It doesn't mean anything. There's no point to life. Um, we give life whatever meaning we want and, um, yeah, all these goals everyone had, every relationship that we had, it, it, 
it was pointless. That's what I was going through my head. That's my belief at the time. And it was, I think it was very close to um, uh, nihilism. You heard about that? I was going to say nihilism in, in my yeah. response to you, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it was like that. And it was also very hedonistic. Mm. So I didn't want to hear anything that anyone was saying about spirituality. And then if someone said, God, if someone dropped the bomb on like, like, oh, God, I close off immediately. Mm. And all I saw was like restrictions and, um, well, this is not letting me live the life that I want to live. And it's not letting me be free. It's not letting me be happy. It's not letting me do this, this and that. But I wasn't any of those things that I was mm -hmm. saying that the religion was not giving me or not allowing me to have, you know? So for me, being atheist was free, like having freedom. Being atheist was being able to be happy, being able to do drugs and being able to go party and you know, have sex and do all these things. And it's like, bro, you just get to a point where it's like, is this really it? And I mean, coming from a place where mentally, or mentally I already had this belief pattern that nothing mattered, mm -hmm. that there was no point to existence. There was no point to anything I did. So it was like, you'd see how like quickly everything's like spiraling down. It's like, you're going from that, then you're doing everything that's hedonistic basically trying to get a high, you're trying to feel something because you don't feel anything inside. I felt empty inside. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to feel more, trying to feel more, trying to feel more until you get to this point where you're so broken and so empty that literally the only thing that's in front of you is thoughts of suicide. Mm -hmm. And then if you're over here thinking, well, life is, it doesn't mean anything. There's no point to it. This thought of suicide becomes not even tempting, but it becomes very just a decision that's doesn't seem far off mm. you know and i feel like a lot of people uh get to that point you know inshallah they will be guided but mm -hmm. it was very dark it was very dark bro subhanallah you know what happened um so nihilism for those who don't know is a state of utter despair um and typically this is um it usually happens to people who have become atheists and have understood the implications of what an atheistic lifestyle entails. And I'll tell you a fascinating story, bro. I was in my history class and my professor gave out some forms to everybody to fill out because she wanted, this is the first week of class. She wanted to know where everybody was at and everybody gave her the forms and she stood in front of the class and she was silent for a couple seconds. So she's like, oh my God, I didn't know that many of you were nihilists. And <laughs> subhanAllah, this is in a, lecture auditorium with hundreds of students and she was shocked at a history class of the amount of students being nihilist and i was looking around and i was terrified i'm like these look like normal individuals mm -hmm. and the same people that were in this class were in my other history classes because there's not that many history students and i was like what is the state of our university now and so for us, we were uh, our MSA, our Muslim Student Association. We were very active on campus. And uh, I think one of the most active and everybody knew us, including the non-Muslims. And uh, what, what we did is we had Islam Awareness Week. And, uh, you know, we had a couple people coming to the booth, but I said, I said, we need to start playing some games here. So we took a bench and we put it to the side a little bit far from the booth because we didn't want to be associated with them. 
and we put up a sign that said, change my mind, God exists. <laughs> it's like those memes that you kind of see. And subhanAllah, immediately everybody was taking pictures, sending it to their friends. And next thing you know, me and like one of my friends is surrounded by like 10, 12 atheists um, just trying to, you know, debate us. And one of the things I found so fascinating, bro, is there was this one woman. She said, my closest friend is Christian. And although I don't agree with religion, and although I am a self-proclaimed atheist, it, she said religion has a lot of benefits to people. Because when her friend lost one of her closest siblings in her life, she said she used religion to cope with it. And she said that I wish that when I was in a similar situation, I had something like religion to help me cope with my suffering. And so I asked her, I said, do you see the benefit of religion? And she said, you know, she, she remarked some of the claims that you had of trying to use a, a science to trying to disprove God. But at the end of the day, she admitted, she said, I wish I had some sort of coping mechanism like religion. And that's at the end of the day, that's what religion really here is for. For one, one of the reasons is to help numb your pain is to let you know that the world is a place where you will be tested in, where you will be tried in, but you have patience, you remain grateful to Allah, to, to God, and through that, Allah will give you an opening. Allah will give you an exit strategy. And so I think when, when I was listening to your story um, again last night for the second or third time, I was just, that woman was just coming to my mind and just seeing the state of the universities and the university is really a reflection of our society. And I'm like, subhanAllah. I'm like, if I lose everything in my life, bro, if I lose all the money, if I lose my house, but I still have Islam, I've had everything. I don't need anything else. We live in the West. Oh yeah. We live in the West. Okay. Yeah. That's why. Cause the West, like 99% of the West is like this, Ooh, you yes. know, it's, it's, it's insane. But um, when I was listening to your story, I was like, this is a real life. And, the, and, and it's important that people understand this is not rare. Like this is the norm in our society today. And you even have certain Muslims who are nihilists as well, because one, they haven't studied their religion at all. And they're just Muslim by name. Just like same with Christians. You have some Christians by name, but they fall into complete disparity. So Alhamdulillah, you know, when I saw your story, I was like, there's a good ending here. You know, a lot of times there's a bad ending. You want to know the craziest thing? Yeah. I say uh, nine out of 10 atheists, they believe in, in Jan Jan Jahannam. Mm -hmm. Hellfire. That's, that's how you say it, right? Yeah, yeah, Jahannam. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they believe in the hellfire. They may not verbalize it. They may not consciously say it, but um, you say something about the hellfire and they instantly have like some like unconscious reaction. And that's a, a sign that like deep down they believe it. And come on, let's be honest. Like Islam is the the religion that coincides with our natural religion. Mm -hmm. With our fitra. With our fitra. Yeah. yeah. And our fitra, bro, understands that this is a test. Mm -hmm. That um at the end it's it's the akhira, it's the hereafter. And there are two places that we can go in the hereafter. We understand this on an intuitive level. Mm. That's why, bro, you have these atheists. And they, bro, they may not say they believe in it, but their body is it's speaking otherwise. Mm. And I will say, man, I was one of these individuals. Mm. I was one of these individuals where it's like, 
I obviously didn't believe. I didn't believe in God. I said I didn't believe in heaven. I didn't believe in hell. I didn't believe in none of that stuff. But anytime someone mentioned something about hell, it, it would make, it would almost make me shudder. And like, I would have random thoughts, like at random times throughout the day, like of me being in hell that they would describe. And it, it would only bring uh, more negativity to me. And I like, I would just try to drown myself out even more and be like, nah, that's a lie. Like, that's not even true. Well, if it's not true, why am I thinking about it? Why is it there? Why, why do I feel so strongly about it? You know, it's kind of like when you, when you tell someone uh, that they're a snitch. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you let someone on like, yo, you're a snitch, my guy. And if they get defensive, they're probably a snitch, <laughs> right? It, it, they're reacting. If they don't get defensive, they're like, like, what are you talking about? Like, if they're not even reacting to it, well, okay, you know that it that's nothing for them. They they are not a snitch, and they're obviously not lying. But you tell someone about hell, if they don't believe in it, they won't bother them. It won't wow. affect them. But you tell someone about hell, and they they start getting uh, reactive. They start getting angry, or they start like trying to bash you or something. Come on, bro. Mm. Come on now. Subhanallah, bro. I never knew. I never, I never knew that. Um, but what I do know, and maybe you can, you can, you can also uh, elaborate on this, is that at our university, whenever I would have um, atheists around me, I would always ask them a simple question, and I would always, if they're being sincere, they would always give me the same answer. And I was, I would always ask them. I would say, "Do you believe in God?" And they would say, "No." I'm like, "Okay, that's fine." Look at the most difficult moments of your life when you are suffering. Don't lie to me. Did you call upon God? And inevitably they always say yes. <laughs> Yo, that's in the Quran too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it says that when the, it says that when the, what, this is Surah Zumar. I think it's the 39th chapter of the Quran. It says that when the person is in a state of uh, despair, when they're in tribulations, they call upon God crying, asking for God's help. Mm-hmm. And then we send down our help to them. And after we remove their hardship, they forget about us and they go back to their own life. Mm-hmm. And then they claim that um, the, the good that came upon them was their own doing. Yeah. Yeah. Subhanallah. So, you know, this is, um, this is a topic... I wanted to get to later, but I think now is a good segue is when we, um, when we look at the Quran, right. And I will elaborate later, but my question to you is when you were reading it, what was it in specific that caught your attention? And you're like, this book is something else that I haven't found this material. Like this could not be written by a man. Like I know you talk about, um, and no, no criticism to Christianity at all, but you talk about how the Bible was all stories. And you felt that that required all interpretation. There was no direct kind of commandments. Um, Is that maybe one of the reasons why the Quran kind of struck you? So in in the beginning, there wasn't anything in specific that stood out. It was more so after I was done reading, I was self-reflecting on everything in in kind of like a meditative state. And nothing, there was no contradiction. And it's crazy because, bro, subhanAllah, it was just the very beginning and there was nothing that was contradicting nothing that was contradicting within me like obviously i had all these um 
these narratives that were being instilled into me over here in the West. Mm-hmm. I had all these different belief patterns, but like, as I was reading it, there was nothing inherently contradicting. And like these belief patterns, like I, I was seeing them like, wow, this was all fake. You know, everything that was being told, everything that was being showed, it was all fake. And then as soon as like these uh, belief patterns went away, uh, there was no cognitive dissonance for me. There was no resistance. And it was just like, it was full acceptance, man. That's literally, that's what it was, full acceptance. And the more that I got into the Quran, I'd say the um, the surah that really struck me and stood out to me the most was uh, Surah Ar-Rahman. SubhanAllah. Bro, SubhanAllah. I, I love it so much. And during the uh, during Ramadan, I actually memorized uh, the most prominent verse. And um, if I could say correctly, yeah. uh, forgive me if, if I butcher this. No worries. But it's... Um, yeah that's that's like something i want plastered on my wall i want it everywhere yeah yeah right subhanallah yeah man that one it stood out to me and like bro it was so powerful that when i read it just just the first time i read it i had to stop reading and just take a minute to just like soak it in because it was so powerful that like everything in my mind just stopped and I, I couldn't i couldn't think of anything i couldn't do anything i was just like mashallah like that's the truth that that right there that line in and of itself that's the one that spoke to me the most and um it was beautiful man but to further address what you're saying about the if, if Bible. i could just if i could just very quickly just because we're on surah rahman yeah, yeah, um, yeah. how did you feel then when it just that same verse kept just kept repeating over and over again bro i felt waves i felt waves like i i've now found out that these waves uh science calls them uh auto sensory remote I'm butchering it, but it okay. it's there's a reason. There's a reason why we experience these waves, supposedly. Mm-hmm. But literally, I was every time I read it, like every time I read it, it's like that same wave would like rush through my body. So I was a little further away from the the mic, so my audio wasn't as uh no no it was, I uh, could hear it all. Oh yeah, uh, yeah yeah I heard it all. I heard it all. Okay, Um, the thing uh before you continue again, I'm gonna send you a book. It's um because it, I know you're big on meditation. You're big on you know, spirituality and stuff. There, there, there's an, um, there's a science we have called Islamic psychology, which differs from psychology. And I have a background in both because I've taken some undergraduate classes and I read some books, but the, this is what the name of the book is called. It's written by the father of Islamic psychology who actually just passed away this year. It's called contemplation and Islamo psycho spiritual state of body or mind. And phenomenal book but what he says in that book related to what you just said is that he says when we talk about meditation he says the west has their own idea of what meditation is like you mentioned in your story how you would always like to meditate and he said we have our own form of you know i i wouldn't really call it meditation but our salah and he said especially the period after salah when you're just sitting there he said it's a very deep state of meditation and what he said is in psychology now, there's a school called Quran therapy, where they literally make people close their eyes 
they put them in a dark setting and they make them listen to Quran. And that brings these waves on their body. And it puts them in a state where their despair starts to come out. Just even though they don't know the, the meanings of the words, just listening to the audio of the Quran in a beautiful voice puts you into that state. And so what I started doing now in between like my exams period and stuff is I would literally go into a dark room, close the light, have my earphones in and listen to Surah Rahman. And all of my hairs would be standing up and I'm like, this is a spiritual experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's crazy you said that because um, the real type of meditation is uh, something that the, the uh, yogis and the monks, the Buddhist monks do. Mm-hmm. So what we have in the West is a, it's a very watered down form. I think everything in the West is watered down, mm-hmm. to be honest. And like, it, it might sound bad if I say this, but um, I think Christianity is watered down. But um, mm-hmm. hey, that, that's my own opinion. Mm-hmm. I hold that. It, it is what it is. But mm-hmm. meditation, the one that we do here in the West, um, it, it's basically like you close your eyes and you just focus on your breathing. Mm-hmm. And you try to you just try to relax a little bit. That's it. Um, then you have the yoga, and the yoga over here is just like a stretching type exercise. I mean, they got hot yoga, they got all this stuff, but it's like, no, you go over to India and you see the real yoga. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, but the, the stuff we have here in the West, that's not yoga. Mm-hmm. You see the real meditation. Like, I'm sorry, but the thing we have here in the West, that's not meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like I say I meditate. But it's not really meditation. It's more so just like self-reflection. And then um, sometimes I'll do the uh, focal-based type thing where I'm just trying to focus on my breathing. But like the real meditation, I did that mm-hmm. a few times in the beginning. And, and I had some pretty, you know, pretty nasty experiences mm-hmm. that I'd rather not share because it's, yeah. it's not something that would help anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was a bad experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so... Um, so what he was arguing in the book is he said the difference, the, the, the foundational difference between what we would call Islamic meditation. And I'll, I'll just, I'll briefly explain what that is after, uh, and, and the Buddhist Hindu, Hindu style meditation is that ours, our meditation is directed towards a source, which is not the, you know, the quote unquote universe, even though for many people, universe is God. Um, when they say the universe created it, but ours is directed towards that source. And so one form of meditation is literally going on a walk in nature and reflecting on the beauties of nature. Because to me, one of the most eye-opening moments when I was reading the Quran is seeing the, the, why the Quran is telling us to examine nature, right? And I'll give you a very powerful verse of the Quran, which I, I, I try to read in Salah all the time, where uh, Allah says, in the creation of the heavens and in the earth and the alternation of night and day are signs for those people who believe. Those people who, when they reflect on the creation of the heavens and in the earth, while they are standing up, while they are sitting down, or while they are laying down, when they reflect on this, they say, our Lord, we know that you created this with a purpose. And protect us from the fire. And so that is a form of meditation which is lost in our modern world because of the secularization of nature. And really, unfortunately, the exploitation of nature as well with what's going on in climate change. So 
That's one specific form of med- Islamic meditation. Who's the author, by the way? Uh, his name is Malik Bedri. Um, hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's a phenomenal book. But yeah, I, was, um, I was about to say, because um, I'm reading uh, Imam Agaseli's book right now. You see all these books here? Al Ghazali, yeah. Ghazali, 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 Ghazali. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which book is that? This is uh, the On Knowing Yourself in God. It's a very small yeah. book, as you can see. Yeah. But um, I, I'm yet to start. I'm going to start it today, inshallah. Mm-hmm, inshallah. I had, there's all the masterpiece of his is The Alchemy of Happiness. And yeah. it's f- phenomenal because what he says in that book is chapter one, he says, the first thing we need to know is knowledge about ourself and who we are. So that book you have, I think really is just um, maybe an expanded version of that first chapter in his book. Or maybe mm-hmm. it, it, I think that chapter, that book is actually the first chapter of his book because it's a, it's a two volume book. <laughs> Damn. So he says, he talks, he, there, there, there's a saying that they attribute to the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but um, it's not really authentic, but the meaning is sound, which says, uh, the one who knows himself will know his Lord. And so he explains what the human body is in that chapter, who you are. And then he explains who, uh, then he explains what the world is, because this is what I find fascinating about the Quran is the Quran gives you an understanding of what reality is, of what the world is, of what the human being is. Because when you remove that, and then you try using your reason to come up with, you know, who the human being is, you end up with philosophical positions like, like, like nominalism, right? Nominalism is the idea that, or, and materialism. And what leads from those ideologies? The idea that there's 50 genders. The idea that there's hundreds of genders. Um, I'm sorry if I um, if I offended somebody by saying a hundred and there's a hundred and one. No, 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 don't, don't be offended. <laughs> don't, don't be sorry, bro. No, no, no. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, I said, yeah. You... I, 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 I said I apologize if I said there's a hundred, but now there's a hundred and one now, yeah, and there's a hundred and two yeah. tomorrow. Um, but these books, you know, these is the Quran is obviously first most the most important. But I'm really glad to see you reading that book. Who who recommended that to you? It was actually one of the brothers that I, I did a podcast with. Uh, separate from the three Muslims. Mm-hmm. His name is Jan. I think his channel is called um, uh, Debating with Jan or something like that. But, I saw um, it yeah, yesterday. Yeah, a little shout out to him. He's, yeah. he's a good brother. Good yeah, brother. okay. Alhamdulillah, I think, man. I think he lives in Ukraine. Yeah, or, yeah. Or somewhere of- like that. I don't know. One of yeah. those countries. Okay, I, I yeah. remember uh, he shared your podcast yesterday. But, you know, that's why, you know, I think in our age today, it's not necessarily about how many books you read, but rather on the quality. And what you'll find that's very interesting, bro, is although Ghazali is written, writing about a thousand years ago, it's as true as it was then as it is today. Because books on, because we have another science called the science of the self right? Of the nafs. Um, These books will always be relevant because human nature does not change. And so a lot, we read a lot of books today on uh, motivation, right? We have a lot of these prominent speakers, but their advice transcends time. They could be saying the same exact thing to people in the past and to people of the future, and it will hit home. 
And so these books will always be relevant no matter what age you live in. Um, maybe if transhumanism becomes popular and we become robots, then there will be no point of these books. <laughs> but these books are here to stay, man, and we need to be reading them. I think it's funny you said uh, quality over quantity. And meanwhile, you got this big giant bookshelf behind you with a whole bunch <laughs> <Yeah>. of books. <laughs> you know, I've, um, I've read almost all of them, alhamdulillah. But um, there's a lot more that I, I think I read more PDF books than physical books. Um, so there's a lot more, but uh, definitely quality over quantity. Um, and these books, especially Ghazali, bro, like this book right here is, I think maybe his masterpiece is on the remembrance of death and the afterlife. And, um, you know, recently, you know, I was hit with... Um, I wasn't close to dying, but I thought I was going to die. Um, and I'll just, I'll, I'll briefly share it. I, we were playing a game of basketball and I was hit with a very sharp elbow and my orbital bone bo bone broke here yeah. and, and my eye fell, like my, my face dropped and I lost all sensation in my body. And I literally, th I saw death, like wallahi, like I, I, I saw it in front of me. And I was, I had never, I had never been that terrified in my life. And I said the Shahada, um, I'm probably going to dedicate a longer podcast to this because it, it was, it was, it was very long, but, uh, I'm, bro, I saw death. I saw it and it was the most terrifying thing. And in that moment, wallahi, I did not care about my parents. I didn't care about my friends. I didn't care about anybody except myself. And the most terrifying thing is I said, the reason why I was terrified wasn't because of dying. You know why I was terrified? It was because I was like, I'm not ready to meet Allah. I'm not in a state right now. Like, let me go back. And when you read the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the people on the day of judgment will say, let us go back and, you know, just give us one more moment. Let us try fixing it. And Allah says, your time is up. You can't go back. And so this is kind of, um, I see this as my second, second life. Um, my second awakening. And that's when I bought this book. And I've spent almost six months reading that book, bro. Six months on one book. And every page is like completely underlined, filled with notes. And I think it's one of, if not the greatest book I've read after the Quran. And so... These books, bro, they're very powerful books that we need to be reading, bro. What's that one called? It says The Remembrance of Death and the Afterlife. Yeah, I'm going to get that one. And so what he does is he takes, um, he takes um, a lot of hadith and Qurans about death. And then he looks at some of the early scholars and how they saw death. Like, I'll give you an example. This is going to blow your mind. You ready for this? <laughs> so there was... Um, the, there was two there was two individuals two scholars and they were praying they, they were about to pray salah with one another right and one of them said you lead this time and i'll lead the next salah and you know how the other guy responded he said look at how arrogant you are thinking you'll make it to your next salah Damn. and there's also a hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam where he was making tayammum Meaning that you're aware of Tayammum, correct? Nah. So if, nah. if you're in a situation where you don't have water to make wudu, 
you can use the dirt that's around you instead. Um, really? Yeah, you don't take a shower and it's very quick. You just put it on, on your hands. You just rub it. Like it, it, it takes like maybe five, five seconds to do. Just like mm-hmm. kind of, um, it's, it's mentioned in the Quran. Um, but the Prophet ﷺ was doing that once, right? Very And very quickly. And they said, why don't you just go over there and make wudu? Like, why are you doing this? And he said, I don't know if I'm going to make it to there. Meaning I don't know if death won't reach me until I get there. So what I realized is these people, these great scholars, these great people were always in the state of remembering death. Every moment they're like, I don't, I'm taking this step without knowing that where my next step is going to be. So it's, um, it's very powerful, bro. Very powerful. And I know I like, and just from my limited time of seeing your videos and knowing you, I know that book will blow your mind away. SubhanAllah. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm already like probably gonna look into it on Amazon and purchase it. Mm. But um what you're saying, the Romans used to think about that. And I was real like heavy into that before I came onto Islam. You know, like when I when I started to get onto the spiritual path and kind of have like a little bit of understanding, uh the Romans they have this saying called uh memento mori. Mm-hmm. And I might be butchering it in the pronunciation, but uh, it basically means remember your death. Mm-hmm. And they, they used to say that uh, the generals, um, they would like win wars and they would come back and they would have a person basically in their ear, letting them know like, hey, this is temporary. Like you, you could die right now. Oh, subhanallah. So subhanAllah, bro. SubhanAllah. Wow, and while we're on this topic, my favorite chapter in the Quran my favorite chapter is you you won't hear this from many people but i developed a very close uh, relationship with the surah is which is surah rum the chapter of the romans mm. it's it's my favorite chapter of the quran there's so many historical proofs climate change transhumanism in there but i'll tell you something fascinating bro in that verse in that surah so in the beginning allah talks about the romans and the Romans are clearly a reference to Western civilization, even today. Our scholars agree on that. And listen to what Allah says about them. Allah says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, These people have the knowledge of this world, but are completely ignorant of the knowledge of the next world. And subhanAllah, to me, that's like a clear indication of what's going on right now in the west where they've mastered the material sciences they'll tell you everything about biology geology astronomy but if you ask them about the next life they'll say we don't know anything about that bro and then you have people who they're into uh, christianity and they read the bible and they couldn't be further i'm not gonna say they're not gonna be further from the truth but they're pretty far because uh, number one, the Bible is not even in its original language. You know, yes, we have translations. Like I have an English translation of the Quran, but it's coming from the original language, Arabic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, some things are lost or many things are lost in translation. That's why it's, it's suggested for people to learn Arabic and so they can read the Quran in Arabic. But you don't have the Bible in its original tongue, which I think is Aramaic. Yeah. If I remember correctly, well, Aramaic. Well, well, there's a difference, right? When we talk about Bible, we have Old Testament and New Testament. 
Yeah, yeah. So I think the Old Testament people refer to as the Torah. The the first five books are the Torah in the Old Testament. Ah, okay, okay. To which to the which Musa alayhi salam brought to the people. Yeah, yeah. Um. The the way I look at it, and alhamdulillah, I um I do know a lot about Christianity, the Bible. I've taken like legitimate courses on it. Um, is that the Old Testament has been translated? It's been written down. You know, many years afterwards. So there is a lot of corruption, but there still is wisdom in there. Oh, yeah, and yeah, there, some of it, yeah, the meaning is still the meaning from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and that's why you have certain portions of the Bible, like the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah says that uh, Musa alayhi salam says to the people that God will raise up another prophet that is like me. Hmm. And uh, th this is the argument that Jews use against the Christians is because they say that Jesus is not like, like Moses. They're complete. They're, they're different prophets. Isa um, did not bring a whole, you know, he brought the Injil, right? The gospel, but he didn't bring a set of laws, like a thick set of laws that Musa brought. And he wasn't a military commander either. And there's only one, which is the prophet Sallallahu And I'll tell you something very interesting, bro. Very interesting. This blows a lot of people's minds, but there are a lot of rabbis, a lot of rabbis that say, Muhammad was the prophet of God, 100%. We don't deny that. It's mentioned in the Old Testament, but we like our prophet Moses, so we're going to stick with Moses. <laughs> Stuff for Allah, bro. This is, the, this is the arrogance that people have, um, yeah. subhanAllah. So it's, um, it's, it's a book that's, that's, that's passed through yeah. um, ages. And the re remarkable thing, bro, is Allah says in the Quran, um, that we revealed the Quran to you and we made it easy for you to remember. Now, somebody tell me today of a book that is memorized by over millions of millions of people across the world today. And if you burned every single copy of the book, not one Muslim will be stressed that the Quran has been burned. Because the preservation of the Quran is not in it being written down, but in the hearts and minds of people. And people can, I, I'm telling it to you, bro. Like, alhamdulillah, I memorized the Quran. I don't know how there's an, uh, I memorized, you know, a six, 700 page book in a completely different language. And if somebody is reciting it and they make the tiniest of pronunciation mistake, I'll be able to correct them. Like, this blows my mind, subhanAllah. SubhanAllah, bro. Yeah, man. It, it shows it shows how easy Allah has made it for us mm -hmm. you know and I, I'd say like the last thing that I did want to mention on the whole Bible thing because it, it 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 relates back to like the beginning mm. of me accepting Islam and when I had said that um the Bible there's a lot of room for interpretation it's not very clear cut well it's like the more you look into the Bible the New Testament you see it's a collection of narrations of the life of Jesus, peace be upon him, mm -hmm. right? And we have that in Islam, mm. except we have a specific process that actually filters out which are authentic, which are inauthentic, unauthentic, mm -hmm. versus you know, in, go, go ahead. You know, because this is something I recently learned while I was taking a class by somebody who has his PhD 
because you know a lot of muslims will criticize christianity and stuff this guy has a phd he knows hebrew he knows uh aramaic he knows ancient greek and he's islamic scholar so his words are like okay uh, uh, and he did his phd in christian studies at a christian university so he knows it very well but what he was saying and this is a fascinating thing he said don't compare the new testament to the quran those are false the new testament should be uh, should be compared to the sirah the hadith the life of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam because that's what it is right the new testament is accounts of the life of isa alayhi salam by either mark matthew luke or john and to this day he said this is what he said in the course he said we don't know who wrote these books it was in the second or third century where Irenaeus came and he attributed the names of the disciples to these books to increase their validity. Um, even though there's other books of gospels which were kind of discarded. But we shouldn't compare the New Testament because the New Testament is just the life of Isa alayhi salam. So it should be compared to the sirah that we have. And that's why like in our sirah tradition, in the science of the biography of the Prophet sallallahu there's some debate right? Did this event really happen? Is this person's a testimony, you know, kind of, even though for the majority of it, it's, it's proper, but that's why there's some leeway. And that's why if you study Islam at, at the university level and they try criticizing it, never or very rarely do they criticize the Quran because you can't, because Allah says in the Quran, that I reveal this Quran to you and I'm going to preserve it. So they go to the Hadith tradition, they try making their arguments, but like, I think a proof of Islam is they don't even touch the Quran. They said like, like this is kind of divine. Let's kind of leave that. Let's focus on this. <laughs> That's beautiful, man. SubhanAllah. And, and think about this too, right? If you look at the Hadith, okay, the Hadith, um, even the ones that are not authentic, you can still derive a lot of wisdom mm -hmm. from it, yeah. right? And the Hadith, um, there's heavy interpretation and i believe there's one hadith uh correct me if i'm wrong or just kind of add on to it if i'm like forgetting it but in this hadith you basically you had this group of uh believers that were traveling from one place to another and they asked the prophet sallallahu wasallam, uh, do we pray before getting to our location our destination or do we pray at our destination and um, I, I think he said uh, just, and I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this part here, but I think he said just uh, don't prolong it, just pray. Am, am I saying that wrong or is, is it completely butchered? I, I, I know the hadith, the answer is also a little bit uh, hazy in yeah. my mind, but it, I think it's something like that. It's something I, I literally yeah. suggest anyone who's listening to this, look yeah. into that hadith. But um, you had half the group basically stop the travels and pray right there and then the other half they continue to the destination and then they prayed once they got to the destination once everyone got there they all asked the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam who was right mm -hmm. and he looked at the first group he was like you were right and then he looked at the second group and he's like you were right mm -hmm. and it's like hmm so there's room for interpretation mm -hmm. with these hadiths exactly mm -hmm. yeah and i feel like that's what i got from the bible well there was so much room for interpretation versus with the quran it was clear cut. Mm, yeah. You know, it, and the, the difference that we have and the reason why our religion is kind of preserved is um, Islamic law has a principle known as ijma, 
meaning consensus. And so, um, because there's a hadith that's saying that, you know, my community will never make an error if they're in like consensus. So that's why, you know, if, if you have one person who has a very radical interpretation of a certain thing and like everybody else has one opinion, chances are the people who have that, like the group of people are correct. So there is some interpretation, but we, the the difference between us and like, um, I don't know how familiar you are with kind of like the Protestant evangelical tradition. Okay. But the Protestant evangelical tradition, they don't, they don't have a tradition. They don't believe in authority. So the one good thing the Catholics have is they have a Pope and they have an authority that can help them interpret it. But that's why in the evangelical tradition, they have hundreds of thousands of sects is because for, for, for them, it's me and my Bible and I'm going to interpret it my own way. And that's why, you know, I live, you know, I, you know, in here I can name like five different sects here of churches just in my own neighborhood. Um, because that's what happens when you don't have tradition, when you don't have a committee of people and you, you start taking minority opinions and such and such, but there are, you're right. There is some leeway. Um, but one thing I wanted to say that you excellent, you brought up is in today's discourse, we have, um, people that are kind of seen as the, the biggest intellects are what we call the philosophers, right? And there was, um, I think Plato, Plato in his Republic, Plato, the great Greek philosopher, he said that in my mind, the greatest society that could ever exist would be run by somebody called a philosopher king, meaning somebody who was an A-class philosopher and somebody who was an A-class king or military leader. And bro, there's only one person in human history that was A plus at both the military, the, the military and the religious level. And that was the prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And I suggest, should suggest everyone that's reading this to look up the 100 most influential human beings by Michael Hart. Are you aware of this? So Michael Hart was a Jewish historian in the 20th century was the first person to really do something of this caliber on a large scale. And he shocked the world by putting Muhammad وسلم, number one. And he said, I've never seen, there's never been anybody in human history that has been extremely successful at the religious level and at the secular level, meaning at the level of governance. And the prophet وسلم, you know, we, we talk about red pill things, right? In today's age, they say, oh, your prophet was a warlord, right? We say, well, he wasn't a warlord in the sense he didn't like war. And he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, if any, you know, you should never wish to meet your enemy on the battlefield, but if you do, you should be strong. But at the same time, we should be proud. Like we talk about the great military generals of history, we talk about Napoleon, we talk about Alexander the Great, like our prophet is up there. Right. And at the same time, he mastered the religious level. The 25% of the world's population follows Islam. And of that 25% population, you know, if they're praying five times a day, they're praising their prophet in Salah, right? Because you praise the prophet in Salah about 10, 15, 20 times. And he's always on our mind. How is there an individual of that caliber? that we are, everybody around the world is thinking about. Billions. SubhanAllah. Billions. Billions of people. Billions, billions, yeah. Not millions. Billions of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
right? So this is extraordinary. So when, um, because when I first started studying, you know, there's, there's a period you go through where you're like, you know, I'm born a Muslim, but is Islam true? There's a, there's, there's a philosopher named Heidegger who said that we are historical products. And he said that we didn't choose our ethnicity, the place we were born, our religion, our skin color, or our culture. These are things we are born into. And these things influence our worldview. So he says, if you're born a Christian, that doesn't mean Christianity is necessarily true just because you were born into it. He says, that's the reason why people kind of have their ideas of why they think their certain ideologies, religions and stuff are true. But, you know, from, from our perspective and, you know, especially a lot of the people, you know, the people that are interviewing you, um, a lot of these people, your close friends on the podcast, they've all had that moment where they're like, you don't doubt the faith, but you're like, let's see how intellectual this is. And I'm telling you, bro, the second you step in, you realize there's so many different sciences and you can barely touch any of them. Subhanallah. Well, so there's two things that I want to touch on that. I, the first one is uh, this part that I was reading from the Quran yesterday or maybe two days ago. Allahu uh, but it's basically in the verse, if I can remember correctly, it's saying that um, uh, he, it says how Allah created us. And then it says that we go through uh, triple darkness. And if you actually look into the stages of pregnancy, mm-hmm. it's a trimester. It's a trimester. So it's like, subhanAllah, like, again, like, yeah, this is just a very tiny example. But like, mm-hmm. if you start going in, but there's so much. There's so much, man. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. And um, the thing that I really want to get on here is that these people that talk about the Prophet Wasallam, and they say that he was a warlord and all that stuff. Man, these people are living in a bubble. Mm, yeah. uh, these people are living in an altered reality that their life has placed upon them. Like the comfort that they live in has placed this way of thinking upon them where it's like they don't have to hunt for food. Mm-hmm. They don't have to grow crops so that they can have food. They don't have to struggle to survive. Everything is so easy that it's like, oh, well, now nah, let me pick on this. Let me, you, you, you don't know what to do. It's like, well, the, the biggest need for us, which is survival, has been pretty much met. What do we do? That's, mm-hmm. that's why people have no direction. They're, they're over here. Uh, trying to argue like mundane things where it's like, oh, uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they're trying to say he was a warlord. Bro, like look at the times he lived in. Mm. Look at the times he lived in. True. It was nothing but war. Mm. And then, bro, you said it yourself. He he didn't want, he, he didn't want war. He didn't like advocate war. But he said, you know what? If you have to, if you have to go to war, then be strong, like go into it. You know, and that's, bro, that's, that's a real man. Mm. And that's him showing other men how to be real men. So if someone's over here trying to like throw dirt on that and trying to bring that down and trying to make it into this negative context, number one, they're in a false reality. And number two, what are they going to do when uh, the grid collapses and Mm. everything, everything is done? No more electricity, no more running water, unless you know what you're doing and you can generate it from nature. But you you don't have it easy anymore. And now when war starts to happen all over, 
then what are you going to do? Are you going to stick to that ideology of like, mm. oh, well, we don't need a warlord. We don't need none of this. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. that the Prophet mm. was a warlord. But listen, if war were to begin to erupt all over the world, you would want someone or a body of individuals mm. who are willing to put it down if it came down to it, man. So, mm. subhanAllah. Bro, subhanAllah. That was amazing, bro. What you just yeah. said, um, you know, you know, th th there was an excellent book that came out about a year and a half ago um, called Muhammad, a prophet of peace amidst the clash of empires by Juan Cole. He's not a Muslim, but he's a great historian. And what he said in that book, I don't think there was other sirah like biographies written um, discussing this specific nature. But what he said is he said during the time of the prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. There were two empires, the Persian and the Romans. And he said, these two empires butchered all of their minorities and massacred them. And so he said the Romans, at, when they controlled Jerusalem, they had the, the Jews there. And he said, they mocked the Jews. They destroyed their temple. They made it like a dirt place. And that's why when uh, Umar ibn al-Khattab, the second caliph, when he conquered Jerusalem, he said, why did you turn their, the Jews' temple into a dumpster yard? And he began himself to clean up the garbage, right? Because that's not our way. And then he said, when the Persians conquered Jerusalem, they literally burned the Christians alive. They literally burned them alive. So he said, this is the environment. This is the context in which the Prophet ﷺ was coming to the world. And in this context, he came and you know, we talk about warlord in all of the battles combined, there's less than a thousand people that died, like less than a thousand people in today. One, one, uh, one bomb, uh, one nuke in Hiroshima, Nagasaki killed hundreds of thousands of people. One war that lasts seven days will kill thousands of people, right? We just saw what happened in Gaza, hundreds of people just easily killed like that. So um, and they preferred not to kill, uh, to kill people as well. Um, especially women and children, right? Like in the Maliki school of fiqh, they say that if you're on the battlefield and a woman is coming to fight you, just run the other way, man. <laughs> like we, and this is why in the book, a history of bombing. Okay. There's a book called a history of bombing by Sven Linquist. He said the first ethical rules of warfare came from Islam. Subhanallah. Not even a Muslim. Why is it that um in the school of the the Maliki thought huh. that if you see a woman in the battlefield coming at you, you run the other way? I I, I think it's based on the, there's a hadith because because the hadiths are you don't basically touch non-combatants. So women, children, elderly people, um, and even if they're on the war, if if they come like if if obviously if one's coming to attack you right away, obviously you have the right to attack them. But I think from their opinion, they're just like, let's play it safe. And like, mm -hmm. let's not even like touch them. Right. Um, but obviously there's probably interpretations on that. I'm not a scholar, but um, I think in today's age, bro, you know, when we have these mediums, we, we need to be using content to show people that, you know, we are prophet. We have the truth, right. And yeah, truth 100%. will always conquer falsehood at the end of the day. Always. Even if you got bad lawyers, you know, you're still going to win the case unless you got lawyers like OJ uh, that were against OJ Simpson, 
because <laughs> those lawyers just butchered the case completely. But yeah. this is why we have these mediums. You know, you have a big following. And this is actually something I wanted to ask you is now that, you know, you are the type of person where you're, you're going to speak your mind, right? You're going to be you. Um, there was a great Christian poet who said to be yourself in an age where everybody is telling you to be somebody else is the greatest truth that you can do. Right. And that's why I love about you. I love about your podcast, but now you have this massive following, which is also heavily non-Muslim. And you're starting to make some posts about your Islam because this is your identity now, right? This is who you are. But at the same time, you've probably, you know, you've probably, you've probably seen that some people are starting to unfollow you now. They're starting to think, ah, oh, you know, I like to, I like to, I used to like this guy. Now he's becoming religious, mm -hmm. such and such as happens with many influencers. Um, how do you plan on using your medium in the future? Um, not necessarily to propagate Dawah, but just to be you. Like, how do you see your channel going? Are you going into a different direction now? Uh, well, as far as I know, it is continuing the same way. Uh, my message has remained the same. And that has been to share my journey in this world that now I know is the dunya. You know, and a big part of that self-improvement and just life experience was coming onto Islam. And if people don't like that, well, they could leave, you know, mm -hmm. if they weren't with me, then, or I should say, if they leave, then they weren't with me to begin with. They were just along for the ride, which at the end of the day, that's cool because I know that the time that they were with me, they caught something mm -hmm. and all it takes is one thing. You, you plant one little seed and it'll water itself and they'll, inshallah it'll do something for them i can't i don't know the unseen i can't yeah. say that it will but inshallah it will inshallah. and um i i, I really want to show people from example versus just like all these other dawah channels and i love all the other dawah channels mm. but personally i want to show people from example like look this is where i used to be and this is what i went through this is where it leads mm. to Islam, to the creator. Like, this leads to the truth. All right, because I went through all these things, man. Mm. I dabbled in a whole bunch of different religious practices, spiritual practices, cultural practices. And it's like, I just found little pieces of truth within all of them. But then once I came on to Islam, it's like, well, this is it. And it even says in the Quran, like today, I have completed my favor onto you guys by completing your religion. Mm -hmm. It's like, subhanAllah, bro. Uh, subhanallah. But yeah, just keep doing what I'm doing and um, whatever Allah has in store, mm. whatever Allah exactly. has in store. And I think, I think now we're at a time, bro, where all of us that are trying to do this work, we just need to work with one another. Um, because there's so many different, cause there's, like you said, there's a lot of Dawah channels, but at the same time, Dawah is a huge topic, right? And there's so many different angles in which it can be targeted in. And so there's so many people doing so many different ways, remarkable things, cause people specialize in certain fields. So some people do whole podcasts on philosophy. Some people do all of it on like the doubts of Islam. Some people want to do red pill conversations and show people <laughs> who they really are. Um, and so I think we, we, we all should be working. Content creators should, should be with one another. 
And um, I think this is the beginning of a movement, bro. And we're seeing, um, look at the NBA. Kyrie Irving became Muslim, subhanAllah. Steven Jackson became Muslim, subhanAllah. And Steven Jackson said, I've got about eight or nine NBA players who are also practicing uh, Ramadan, uh, partaking in Ramadan. And so movements are starting, bro. SubhanAllah, bro. I, I was talking with uh, Gabriel about this the other day because we were talking about his book. And um, if anyone's watching this, uh, whether you're a revert, whether you're not a revert, I highly, highly suggest picking up his book. Um, I think it, it, it has revert in the name. I'm just not remembering the okay. name of it. But um, when we I'll, were talking about it. this, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send I'll you a link okay. for that. But um, when we were talking about this, I was like, I think it's perfect timing for him to release something like that. Because he, he said he's always wanted to write a book. Hmm. And um, it, it's specifically geared, like, showing his journey through his um, being a revert. And uh, he says, like, it's for reverts. But, like, as I'm reading it, it's also for born Muslims, too. Like, there's so much hmm. that can be getting from this book. And, like I said, that it... He, he released it at the perfect time because like, I don't know what it is, but we're in a time where like so many people are starting to accept the mm. deen, starting to accept Islam and starting to practice, mm. especially here in the West where we have all this propaganda against it. Yet here, bro, there's people waking up. Mm. So subhanAllah, mm. man. Yeah. SubhanAllah. You know, one, one, um, one Islamic studies professor said that nine 11 brought, so much bad awareness to Islam, but at the same time, people have never been disinterested in Islam ever, ever. And so this is a time, and when you study history, bro, and you study about, you know, the spread of Islam, you know, you had these remarkable people that were converting, you know, thousands of hundreds of thousands of millions of people, bro. And that's how the message spread. This is, this is the prophetic mission, right? This is what the prophets are called towards is to call people towards the truth and to forbid the evil. And in today's medium, you know, you can deliver a lecture at a university and you'll speak to maybe a hundred people. Or you can drop a YouTube video and you have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people watching it. So these are the mediums that we need to continue with, bro. And um, I'm, I'm so happy, alhamdulillah, that we had this discussion, that uh, I got to know you and to know that, you know, you... You, you are willing to speak the truth in spite of what, in spite if you lose followers, you lose subscribers, you know, you might get some controversy. Truth is truth and we have to speak it. And um, I can't highly recommend your podcast any more than I've already have um, because that I think that's exactly what you guys are trying to do. And I take motivation from it. Like I, I see what you guys are doing. I'm like, okay, like let, let me take some ideas around. Oh, I like these topics. I like these speakers. And such, so you're having an influence on me, bro, as well. Mashallah. Yeah. So, alhamdulillah. I think with that, we'll conclude the podcast. Um, I I will link your information for everybody who wants to know more about you. I think it's an incredible story. I think your self improvement videos are still highly recommended. People should still be watching them. Yeah, bro. Hopefully, inshallah, they still help. Because yeah. I mean again remember like i said we're either progressing or we're regressing mm -hmm. so which one do you want mm -hmm. and, exactly. and self self-improvement like 
that's a part of Islam as well. Like you, you are not suggested, but you told like read. Hmm. You told like keep keep learning more, like keep doing more to keep like growing. Because like the moment you stop, that's when you start falling back. Hmm. And if I remember correctly, there's this uh quote that says uh the moment you stop growing is the moment that you start dying. Hmm. You know, you know, um, I, I'm actually doing um a podcast on that soon with an Ottoman historian, because when you study civilizations and their rise and fall, they always fall the second they stagnate, the second they mm. peak, and they're like, we're good. The second they stop their military expansions, the second the second they start saying we're good right now, like we don't need to do anything, that's the second they fall. And it's the same thing with the human beings. The second you start being content, like the second you start being content with your circumstances, and you're like, I don't need to improve. I don't need to do anything else. That's when you start to fall. And um, I, I couldn't have put it any better than that. So um, with that, I think we'll conclude. Um, thank you once again, bro. I hope this is the beginning of a great relationship. Um, I, ho- I, I, I hope, inshallah, we will have another future collaboration in the future. Um, either bringing all three of you on here or maybe yeah, me joining, nice. or maybe me joining you, but we yeah. would... Um, uh, excellent conversation. And to everybody else that's listening, um, if uh, if you've gotten this far into the video, congratulations. Oh, okay. Thank you, bro. Inshallah, we will talk soon then. Uh, Inshallah. Thank you for having me, brother. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.